Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. Today's guest is Leslie Byron Pitt. A talented film critic and podcaster based in England, Leslie Byron Pitt is a writer for Set the Tape and Vodzilla, and he has also been published on Film Stories and Little White Lies. Additionally featured on Inside Cinema for the BBC iPlayer, when he isn't writing or creating new pieces for print, Leslie can be found on Hustlers of Culture, a film podcast from a minority perspective, and the erotic thriller podcast Fatal Attractions. A man with terrific taste who's routinely supportive and kind to others on film Twitter, I'm really looking forward to chatting with him today on Watch with Jen. Welcome, Leslie. How are you doing and how have you been adapting to pandemic life? Um, well, last year was, I played it quite quiet and um, pandemic life for me was, once it happened, I was in work and I was, um, I was working. I just tried to put my head down and just ignore as much of it as possible. So it was yeah. like get, getting up, going to work, getting up, going to work, getting up, going to work. And then um October hit and then it seemed like that everyone was having their own little bits of bad news because of the pandemic and mm-hmm. things going to grind so and then October hit and it kind of it it was a bit of a car wreck for me um mm, I won't go yeah, yeah I won't go into uh, too much about it but it was it was quite hellish and, and you know involved work and personal things and and whatnot so um pandemic life it, it it gets to everyone. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the, be- that's the best thing to say. It gets to everyone in this weird way in which, um, I don't know, it's, it's little things. Like for me, um, as someone who loves watching films and, 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 and writing about them and talking about them, a lot of the time it doesn't bother me too much because I can stay in. I've got a, a big library of films that I can sit and watch and and do whatever. But when it comes to like my other hobbies like photography and taking pictures of people and, yeah. and stuff like that. I, I, I literally can't do that anymore. I can't go to the studio. I can't, um, people can't come in, people can't um, travel. A lot of the people that I work with, um, doing this, um, do like, um, when it comes to photography, they, um, travel via train and the train from the train comes from London to where I am in, 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 in Wickham. And mm-hmm. and it, then it can also continue on up to Birmingham. So it's the two main, like the two fir- first and second city of England that it's kind of connected to. Um, so there'll be no way of anyone going on there, oh, no. going there you know. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, for, for more than anyone's safety as well, it's just, you know, I've got asthma, my wife has asthma. So pandemic life is, is, is weird because it's kind of dull, but it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's just a bizarre limbo it really I think, is, is it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> so with work were you able to do it from home or how is that going yeah um so um i no longer work at that place anymore um okay, gotcha. but uh one of the reasons why i no longer work at that place anymore is literally because once it went to the, the pandemic i don't think people were ready for it and mm. um 
unfortunately in the corporate world, I think a lot of places like to suggest that everything's going, carrying on as normal. You can carry on and do everything as normal and you really can't. And there is big drastic changes um, to how you work, the way you work, the amount of work, Mm -hmm. um, um, new distractions, all sorts of of little things. And um, you, you, you can find yourself in, in meetings with people trying to explain that, the old ways don't work that way anymore. And they they can find many, many ways of saying, yes, they do because they don't do your job. They yeah. just look over your job. So yeah, but, it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. I mean, I'm, I'm looking now, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm quietly optimistic. Good. I'm glad to yeah. hear it. Well, I know you write for a handful of sites, including your own blog, Afrofilm Viewer. But yeah. I'd love to know how you first became interested in film as well as writing about movies. Um, I was interested in pop culture from quite a young age. Um, okay. uh, how I got into film, uh, <laughs> it was because of a girl. Um, okay, good story. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's slightly tragic, but um, oh. Uh, yeah <laughs> story of many people's lives um yeah i got i got involved with, uh basically i was at college i was, I was studying it badly mm-hmm. and um a lot of us went from one college um a lot of us all we were at this we we're at that age where one person had a car so we'd jump into the car and at lunch times we'd go to another college and see all all their mates at one, at one point <laughs> um and then I, I met a, a, a girl um, through a friend, and we dated very, very briefly. And mm-hmm. around that time, around that time in my teenage years, it was around uh, 16, 17, I was, um, we would only ever go to the cinema to do something because there wasn't that much else to do. Yeah. Um, and then she broke up with me. Oh. And... I found myself just wandering blockbuster videos, <laughs> literally, literally wandering blockbuster videos and looking at um, video titles all the time mm-hmm. and um, just looking at them, renting them. Then I um, decided to go move to um, that college that, that this girl went to at that time. I, I gave up studying IT, went to okay. this college to do film studies. She wasn't doing I wasn't in the same year, but it was, um, yeah, I went, I went, I went that way, but I found myself involved in just doing film and media, um, cool. and just con- constantly doing it. Then I started working at cinema, um, and then it just kind of went from there really, to be completely honest. <laughs> did you always enjoy writing and did that just kind of, you became passionate and decided to write about movies? Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, I think there are people who know what they want to do from the very beginning and they always yeah. know what they want to do and they, they just do it. Mm-hmm. And then there's people like me who are not sure what they want to do, but then they realize somewhere down the line, they've been doing certain things for a long time. So mm-hmm. um, for me, I found myself as someone who, I loved reading when I was younger and I kind of, I'm a lapsed reader. I don't read as much as I should. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I loved reading and I found myself, I used to do a little bit of writing and when it came to um, when I was at school and I, I did plays and I was interested in drama. So I used to get involved in scripts and, and performing and, and stuff like that. Um, but when it came to when it, I started writing reviews when I was I hit 16 okay. um, and I started I, I, I got into the web early on and I was trying to write and none, no one saw any of what I did and yeah. I was writing I was writing with Microsoft front page and all this oh, yeah. stuff <laughs> um, no one really saw it no one really gave a damn and um, it was before I realized I needed an editor uh, <laughs> but um, yeah I just I just carried on writing and it and it's done me well it's just it's I just found myself going, I wanted to write about stuff. And then when yeah. I, when I, when I got into, when I, when I was in college, going into university, I just found myself going, I found myself blogging and, um, yeah. No, yeah. Was it? No, 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 no. Sorry. I apologize. Yeah. It was the website. And then when I got into university, I found myself blogging. And, um, at one point I was like, I'm going to try and blog every theatrical release I see Oh wow! in a year. Um, so a lot of that old, a lot of stuff on the Afrofilm Viewer website is, um, poorly spelt stuff <laughs> from, from, from way, way, way back yeah, and okay. of everything I used to watch. But yeah, but yeah. it was just, it was just, I used to do, so you would be writing about a hundred, a hundred odd reviews or well, no, not a hundred, it'd be about 70, 70 plus reviews just a year. Yeah. just of stuff that I was watching and I was working at cinema around some of that time. So therefore a lot of it was free. So you, you had this chance to not only improve working at cinema because you had the knowledge of what was coming out, but you also, it was also me writing this stuff down for my own personal entertainment and enjoyment. I never expected, I never expected to be in a situation where I saw more people read my work or hear me talk about films than in, in the in in the internet than than, yeah. um, than any than anywhere else or in real life so, yeah so it was a kind of happy accident yes oh definitely I shudder to think how bad my early writing was like on my <laughs> website like people will look up movies and they'll be like oh yeah you reviewed it and I'm like I did and they're like yeah back in 2008 and I'm like don't read that it's probably <laughs> Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I decided um, so very soon on, like, I think it was when I started blogging, not to do um, star ratings, mm -hmm. because that will be the absolute death of you. Yes. <laughs> oh. but you said this, and it's like, yeah, but like, there are films I watched um, years ago when I was 18, and I thought I knew more than anyone else. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> and and I was like, that wasn't a very good movie. That wasn't good. I, I don't understand why that was good or, or anything else yeah. like that. And I've rewatched them now, and it's life experience. I think Armand White, um, for you know some of some of his so-called flaws, um, yeah. Armand White was very honest with saying you need life experience to kind of write about to, to critique oh, culture. Yeah. And I think he was. I think he was kind of right. Um, Absolutely, because there were. I look at where we are now pol um, politically and culturally, and then I remember how I felt when I watched something like Lynn Ramsey's Ratcatcher, and I really didn't like the film. 
okay. at first. And then I watched all of Lynn Ramsey's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously t- I took up photography after after that. And um, I look at where we are politically with a lot of a lot of things. And then you go back and you watch Ratcatcher and you're like, oh, right now I get it. I understand. Um, There's a lot of stuff that I think went over my head. And I try and be as honest as possible and say that a lot of it kind of went over my head. I think one thing that worries me so much is you've got to, I think, every so often I see a younger generation of people. Some of them are really, really good writers and some of them are really smart and acute. And I think some people are just trying to be like me back then going I know everything about everything (laughs) it's it's, it's a little bit worrying but yeah yeah I think it's good to not know what you think of a movie right away yeah I think there's this rush to judgment especially with social media like um, racing to give your reaction to things and I just, yeah, that's not something I like to do. I like to think about a movie. But yeah, there's stuff that came out in the 90s that I saw when I was like a teenager. And now when I revisit it, I think, boy, you know, what was I thinking? Or else um, I realize this isn't as funny as I thought it was. It's actually sadder or there's more to it that just completely went over my head. And so it's interesting to revisit those older movies for sure. Well, I found myself, especially, I don't know what when it when I decided this, but I found myself just um, just going, I want to just watch more older movies. Yeah. Um, uh, when I write for set the tape, I usually pick the older movies, so I get it gives me a chance to watch something like Billy Wilder, or like more Billy Wilder, and not just yeah. the typical stuff. Or um, I watched the Survivor Ballad, um, Survivor Ballads recently. Um, so it's films like Black Rain and um, Japanese and Japanese cinema, which I was just quite astonished by. They're really, mm-hmm. really good movies. Um, and I think one of the reasons I think that's important is because how can I say this? I think it really worries me that we are in this kind of state where we've kind of evolved from where we were in forums and comment boards, where we were just like, "I'm the first one to say something." I'm the first yes. one to say I first one to, to to say this. I'm the first one to say this. And now Twitter's become like that. And yep. not only it's become like that, I kind of remember where I was when I think I was watching X-Men Apocalypse and I just sat there in the opening the opening scroll and I just realized that that films weren't being made. I was, I was in my I'm still in my 30s. And mm-hmm. I was in my 30s then I go, oh well, films aren't being made for me anymore they're not yeah I've just and when it wasn't it it was so weird and we're in this kind of weird place where it's try and get your hot take out as quickly as possible and not really thinking about like not putting any sort of sort of thought into what you're saying why you're saying it Mm -hmm. no no source to it no no background knowledge, no real reason to just just say it's just a half baked shower thought that you can kind of, that you just kind of tweet out. And I think that's the problem. I think one of the things I like is I stopped stopped reviewing a lot of newer movies, and then I started going 
back and started watching older movies. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I kind of, I wouldn't say I struggled with, <laughs> with with choosing, even though I kind of tweeted you um, before, like a, a week ago saying, I don't know what to pick. Um, <laughs> There's too many good movies. You'll just have <laughs> yeah. to come back, Leslie, that's it. <laughs> but it, it, for me, it was just, it was just a chance of looking at something, um, looking at something older, trying to get a second, yeah. second glance at it because I don't think that's what we or I don't think any of us do that anymore no I think it's really it's really really telling of me that we're having uh, a lot of the time we seem to have arguments over um or or debates uh, mm-hmm. quote unquote over <laughs> J- Joker MCU um, so boring yeah Star Wars Ugh. um and uh, and this is not me saying I don't like these movies. It's not me oh, saying no, I love these movies. Yeah. No, it's it's just that we keep going back to them and yeah. that's the only things we want to go back to. Um, and it's the only things that seem to make any dent in, in, in any sort of cultural debate. And it's, it's, it's slightly trouble troubling um, because there's so many interesting movies out there. And I think it really, I think I really struggle, especially when now we're talking about stuff that I remember what listening, um, talking about in university, like representation and diversity. Yeah. And yet we, we don't branch out into different movies and we Mm -hmm. don't seem to, and we don't seem to branch out and evolve those first thoughts that we, we sometimes have as well. So I don't know. It's, it's weird. Cultural it's like, talking is 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 hard. <laughs> yes, it's like movies are content now. I I don't like yeah. that phrase. Like it's just content, and so you're all excited about the new thing, like it's a packaged uh, sample of Tide or laundry detergent, and then the next week there's a new one, and there's no memory of previous items because it's no. being treated like a manufactured thing. And I think that's really unfortunate. So I, with you, I'm kind of getting burned out on reviewing new titles as well. So I like going back and revisiting some of these older movies and older actors that are unsung or don't really get, you know, celebrated as much or filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I was very excited to talk to you because you also have a few podcasts of your own as well. So for... For anyone listening who might be unfamiliar, so what can you tell us about Hustlers of Culture and Fatal Attractions, which I'm really enjoying. I've been listening to that. Yes. Okay. Um, so Hustler of Culture is um, is a small podcast with um, me and my friend Hugh, um, Hugh, Hugh Kenneth David. And so I in a past life I used to work at cinema um in a past life I used to work as an assistant producer for kind of shopping tv live tv um and I met Hugh before I'd started live tv but I still work at cinema and I met him through another friend I said to him at one point in time um I think it was one of the first times I met him. I was like, oh, I want to get into um, film writing and, and, and critiquing. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, and this is about 15 years ago now. And he goes, um, it's interesting you do that now that it's dying. And um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how we kind of, um, that's how our, how our relationship formed. Um, we became really, really good friends. Um, and what the podcast is about is, so I'm, 
um, so I'm black and I'm, I'm black British. So mm-hmm. uh, my parents are from St. Vincent, um, but I'm you know, born in Buckinghamshire. Okay. So I've got the, that's hence the accent. <laughs> um, and then um, uh, my my colleague Hugh has 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 been all around the world. He's lived in so many different places, um, and he's Sri Lankan. And um, he used to work for um, dis- um, film distributors in um, in England, in London as well. So you know he had the chance to meet. You know he's he's met and worked with people like. Um, uh, uh, Park John Wook and and and, and people wow. like that, um, and he he just said he he found himself after he kind of left that world going. One of the things that's really frustrating me is that no one's kind of seeing certain things from our perspective, and when we say that, it was, I think one of the one of the things that we were the problems we were having it was it wasn't so much that people were talking were people not talking about diversity it was it was more the sense of sometimes this stuff is a little bit more nuanced um and a little bit more naughty than what we see on your social media where you know if someone says i don't know black lives matter you got for and against and it's really kind of a broad range of of things yeah. mm-hmm. um the same with things like feminism like mm-hmm. there's this there's this weird thing on where we think that all these things are just are easily painted um so a part of us was like we want to try and get in and try and do some interesting conversations on that and and try and and, and not so much on on diversity, but just on different films, older films, newer films. Um, look at them, looking at stuff from marketing, um, going from things like talking about Disney and, and what's good and what's bad, or Ghost of yeah. Ghost of Mars, and just just, just different types of um, of topics, and just looking at look at them from a perspective of ourselves, because there was just. I'm not sure if it. I'm not sure if it was yourself or, uh, but I think many, many people have done this. Is talking about stuff like horror, um, genre films and horror films, and people, and especially film writers who are not interested in genre movies, yet they're writing about genre movies mm-hmm. in such a way that is just not very, not very good. <laughs> no, not very knowledgeable. Yeah. yeah um, or interested like, in what it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it was just a, a way of, of looking at certain movies and going, oh, well, this is actually quite good. Or, yeah. or, or me pressurizing you to watch, um, um, Morlin Ramsey and sorry to bother you. <laughs> but it you know, it was just a matter of, um, just a different perspective, but not so much, broadly saying oh i'm a person of color this person's another person of color this that's going over it was just a more a, a different way of kind of putting stuff across so to speak i mean we don't really yeah. broadcast too uh, we as much as we broadcast obviously our backgrounds we don't broadcast too much this is a reading from a race perspective this is a reading yes. from this perspective. it's just kind you're of not yeah. a monolith you're an individual yeah 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 exactly exactly it was just i'm that that being said i don't know you'd have to have to be an audience to to, to hear it and see what the, if, I, if they agree with what i say um uh the other one thank you for for listening um uh, is being uh, 
I think we're going, entering our fourth year, almost our fourth year now. Um, Fatal Attractions, um, which is an erotic thriller pod, <laughs> uh, podcast, um, which I think at first everyone was everyone on board was a little bit nervous about because it was an erotic thriller podcast. Yes. Um, and then we realized everyone on Twitter is as horny as hell. <laughs> so therefore we kind of, you know, we, we got we get away with it. Um, that started because I accidentally bumped into a conversation on Twitter um, in which um, my co-hosts, it was Matt Turner, um, Amelie Thomas and um, Paul Costello. And they were in the middle of a conversation talking about um, erotic thrillers and how they loved those movies. Yeah, And then I... I butted in as, as a way of the social media and said, someone should do a podcast on this. And I left it at that. I didn't say anything else. Yeah. Um, 15 minutes later, Matt um, uh, invites us all into a, into a, a private chat and goes, so what are we going to do about this podcast? Then? <laughs> and I was like, I don't even think I had the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, um, but it became this thing on where we were watching all these, all this stuff from the eighties and nineties. Um, uh, we haven't done the Shannon Tweed stuff yet. We haven't done like the really grotty, horrible, yeah. like cheap, skinny, uh, skinny Max type stuff yet. But <laughs> we were watching. We just found ourselves watching all these. Kind, there was just this plethora of movies that made money. Like a, mm. a lot of these were like made money and made yeah. bank and have their fans and and whatnot and we were going back in in there and just having a look and trying to just be a bit fun with yes. with it all i mean i think in the early uh, the early stages when we were kind of doing it kind of weekly um it, i wouldn't say we were getting burnt out but i think it was it was a bit of a struggle because we i think we had to do a little bit of a changing of how we view how we looked at the movies yeah um and then once that happened, it just became a little bit easier to kind of see what we're looking at and knowing that one day, one week, it will be something that might be pretty bad. One day it might be something that's really engaging or really interesting. Yeah. Um, but we found some, it's really interesting to go back and, and look and find gems and find these really interesting kernels of movies or yeah. things lying in these movies. And there's so many conversations and arguments and debates that we are again on film twitter or social media that are being said and it's like guys you should be watching these movies and realizing that like exactly <laughs> it's not the it's, one it's not the how can i say it's not this it's been said before like some of the stuff that we're seeing has yes. been said before age gap <laughs> stuff um all the age gap stuff all the all oh, the stuff God. about um sex <laughs> sex to ad, um to advance the plot all this stuff yeah. and and, and, and not any no, it's all just kind of it's funny because it, it it shows a lot of it shows where a lot of people how they watch movies and uh-huh. and it really worries me because I think so many of the of the movies people want to watch are just kind of about plot and go from A to B, A to B, A to B, and that's it. And just, <laughs> and it's one of the reasons why I think I struggle with a lot of movies um, these days because they are I wouldn't say basic isn't the right word, but they 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 need to be kind of 
leveled in a certain way because you know of mm-hmm. marketing and you know that there's going to be certain things that they all that they needed to do and it doesn't surprise me that when you see a film going this was really good big in china it's like yeah i wonder what that script was like i wonder what the plot was like i wonder if yep. it carries any of that kind of that cultural baggage that comes from one film one, one film from a certain place to another mm-hmm. um and it's one of the reasons why people seem to be surprised by something like parasite um um but yeah sorry going back to um the podcast yeah so we've been going we've been going on for about three three to four years mm-hmm. um and it's it's really good fun um yes it's a very <laughs> I didn't know about your other one until like yesterday. So I was very excited. I'm going to have to listen to that one. As well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, I think in, I think in, um, sorry, I think with, uh, hustlers, uh, hustlers of culture, I'm a little quieter, um, because, okay. um, my co-host is intensely very very <laughs> smart um very very smart very cultured and no. um and then when when it gets to um fatal attractions it's it's me turning around and 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 going i disagree and this is why i disagree all the time <laughs> constantly disagreeing um oh, that's <laughs> but yeah yeah. Well, I was really excited when you selected human connection as the theme for today's episode, because it's my favorite thing about film, empathy or feeling like you can get close or perhaps even understand someone else, people that you might not come across on a daily basis. Additionally, one of the great things about being a film geek is feeling a connection with fellow nerds, all thanks to your shared taste. So we'll take the films that you chose, California Split, Before Sunrise, and In the Mood for Love one by one in a moment. But to kick things off, what drew you to this topic, Leslie? Um, I think I'm moving when it comes to watching movies, I'm moving into a into a place from where I want to see not people be people, um, mm-hmm. but I want to see something. I don't know, maybe something something that moves me. Um, I I like I like the idea. I I think it's for me sometimes when it comes to things like romance mm-hmm. or or grief or loss or, you know, these little things in life. Um, I want to see kind of movies where these things like, affect people. Um, yeah. And I think that's been, um, and I, I, I think that's been one of the issues I've had with a lot of, um, again, with a lot of modern movies. It's not that they're not competently shot. It's not that they're yeah. not well made or, or anything else like that. It's, it's more of a, a thing about taste and how I'm f- and, and how I'm feeling. And I picked I picked this because it was just this idea of human connections. These sometimes un- un- unrequited love and yeah and 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 with California Split, you just see this element of addiction mm-hmm. um, and and human connection and and like you say, just this this idea of people that you don't that uh, you that you've never met and you've not met in, in in any way of life and you get to see a little bit of insight into their life 
and and the people they meet and the people they kind of interact with and what may or may not happen to them um that is the thing i found really interesting to me it was just yeah. all of them are kind of romantic movies um yeah and i was I'll, I'll say california split is a different kind of romance it's um yeah it's this kind of you know they 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 meet they bump into each other they don't meet um they don't, they don't know each other and then they kind of meet and they kind of have this almost codependent mm-hmm. thing going on um but all of them all of them were about these kind of brief encounters and these glimpses and and something like in the mood for love is this beautiful movie which has characters don't say very little and yet you just feel this weight on when they say something or when they don't say something yeah and i think i think it's just it's something i'm finding missing in 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 mainstream movies i think it is yes because they they they're, they're very loud and they're very talkative and when i say loud and they're talkative it's talkative in the sense of i just you know i i, I I'll, I'll pick on joker again i i remember just watching that movie and going right i don't understand why i i, I just couldn't get my head around the whole of, of all the love for this movie because it was all just kind of written really mm-hmm just it's all it was all surface level to me there was there, there didn't seem to be any weight on anything yeah. um and it's one of the reasons i pick all the all these movies where i don't know i i like i like those these elements of chance and yeah i, I like being a, a little bit of a romantic even though I, I i you won't see me watch a lot of romantic comedies but i like i like mm-hmm. a certain romance in cinema um it's one of the reasons why like people like Paul Thomas Anderson are my favorite, my favorite film filmmakers. Yeah. Um, but I picked, um, I picked human connections because I think it was after I tweeted you going, I don't know what I want to, I don't know what I want to do. Um, I found myself thinking just about Richard Linklater. Um, because I think he's, uh, I was going to pick boyhood. Um, I just think he's a bit of a of a, an American institution at this point in time. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's. I think I don't. I don't want to say. I don't. The way this is going to sound is, is horrible. But I think it's like when he stops making movies, if he stops making movies, I think only then we'll realize that he's made these really interesting kind of pockets of American life and Americana. And I think at this moment in time, we're really close to it because he's still alive and he's still very active and he's still making movies. Um, but I think it was really, in, it's really interesting to see people who don't like boyhood. And, and I was just like, yeah, yeah, let's try, let's try boyhood. And I was like, no, it's, um, it's a bit too long. So I just went back and I was like, you know, well, let's, let's do before sunrise. And mm-hmm. I it just had it, it had everything I kind of wanted to do. And I think one of the things I wanted to do, I wanted to pick movies where um, knowing I was going to come on and, 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 and speak to someone, uh, speak to a woman about film as well. I wanted to do, I wanted to do movies which had at least interesting female characters. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. Um, and 
and I say interesting in the sense of whether or not you like them or not. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's you know that's over there, but at least we can have so like a, yeah. a, a decent conversation. I didn't want anything where and I and I, I kind of call it like just a, a mouth breathing subject just someone who's there for the sake of being there you know how you know you have some of those sports movies and and, yeah and and stuff where there's a wife who doesn't say anything and just goes oh you're gonna fail or yeah (laughs) you only ever see them in the kitchen um yeah i didn't want anything like that i wanted these i wanted interesting people and there are people I, i i find quite complex and i wanted just to kind of get into that because i find myself yeah i find myself with so many of my other uh, with my other podcasts like <laughs> erotic erotic thrillers you don't you just don't get it um no, unless, I hear you. <laughs> unless it's in the cut so yeah that's why i wanted to pick it so perfect well i actually i loved all three of these movies they're all excellent i thought it might be best to go through the titles chronologically although you can feel free to reference any of the films at any time the first First movie, California Split from 1974, is one I actually recommended on the podcast last summer. I'm a huge fan of director Robert Altman, yet even though I remembered liking this movie back when I saw it in the 90s, it wasn't until I watched it again during the pandemic that I really got just how great the film about two gamblers played by the great Elliot Gould and George Siegel, who bond over their obsession how great this movie really is. It's a marvelous hangout movie with overlapping dialogue, including much improvisation. And we hear it all in the film's stellar soundtrack as the first non-cinerama film to use eight-track stereo sound written by actor Joseph Walsh and based on his own gambling addiction. Although his friend Steven Spielberg was originally going to direct this one, watching it now, it's hard to imagine someone other than Robert Altman at the reins because he so deftly balances comedy, drama, pathos, and suspense. I like to say it's Elliot Gould's most Elliot Gould performance, and I just love his rapport with George Siegel. So what did you think of this film, Leslie, and why do you think it fits that human connection thesis so well? And I do agree with you. I think it's a love story. Yes. I I remember hearing about this last year, or maybe two years ago, and I couldn't um, around that time. I couldn't find it for Adam, and then I'm not sure if I, if someone allowed me to see it through nefarious means, or um, or I, it was out on Amazon Prime at the time, and I just watched it as uh, at that point. I can't remember, um, but I fell in love with this movie. I really like Robert Altman. I'm a massive Paul Thomas Anderson fan and me too. Um, and one of the things that I love about him as his as his filmmaking go, goes on is that the Altman thing becomes a little a lot more pronounced than the Scorsese stuff in the earlier in the early movies. Yeah. And, um and um I found myself just wanting to watch this because I just, I found it really, really, I found it a really strange, interesting movie. Um, and the reason, uh, the reason I picked it is because it's possibly my favorite Altman that I've seen. Uh-huh. 
Um, and I still need to see Nashville, but there's something, there's something about this that I just, that I, I find it, it just, it's hard to rattle out the head. It's, it's some, it's before shortcuts. So you get this thing on where these two meet, people meet by chance. And it's something that Altman likes doing It's kind of, yes. they, they meet by this kind of random element factor. And then something happens in between, uh, um, between them in between um, through that. Um, and I just found myself just in love with the one. I love George Siegel anyway. I like, I've loved him because I first saw him in um, just shoot me. Oh um, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was him. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and so, and I, I didn't know who he was. I remember watching that. I didn't know who he was, and then I started watching like one or two, one or two movies with, with him in. I think it's Terminal Man and and stuff like that. So I, I I like him anyway. So I like him to be the. I like him as this kind of straight character. Yes, and I, and I love his kind of descent. And every time you're watching it, you're seeing him really grapple with this kind of addiction and this mm-hmm. and this love and the and the rush of the highs and lows um and i i found myself absolutely in love with elliot gould after yeah. the long goodbye which oh, is a cl- which is possibly my close uh, like either my joint favorite or close second um and i just love the way he he can he just takes over a scene and he he really kind of nails what Altman likes it's really weird that Altman wanted to do this all this kind of heavily improvised kind of off the cuff stuff and he's the one that seems to do it the best yes um there doesn't seem to be anyone else who's able to do it do it like he does and he's Mm -hmm. absolutely brilliant and what I love about them is they're both really like one they're both really it's the 70s and they're both just these really cool good looking scruffy yeah um guys who kind of live live off the moment and they do what they want when however they want want to and one's working for a magazine but it looks like he's gonna lose his job and 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 it's that lifestyle that they try they they try and inhabit where it's just like they don't live paycheck to paycheck they live off what of cash to what of cash um and it's just it it, there's something really invigorating about it, but it's all, but there's all this pathos about it because they, they, they're they, these kind of mavericks or that kind of slip through the cracks. And I think that's what I really enjoy is it's not just the overlapping dialogue or, or mm-hmm. the smartness or the, or how, or how pretty it looks for a film that looks quite naturalistic. It looks like, looks gorgeous, especially with the way he zooms in and the way the compositions change from one composition yeah. to zoom in into another composition. Um, it's, it's just a way that these guys, you can, you can understand why anyone would be attracted to them and you can understand why they're attracted to each other. Yeah. And, I absolutely adore, I absolutely adore that, that kind of codependency that kind of plays off be, uh, between them. Mm-hmm. And even though I know what happens this is the second time, the uh, second time I've seen it. And even though I, I, I know what happens and I, I, I know it's this kind of downbeat ending and it doesn't work and it, it, you know, it doesn't end how we would want it to end. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is something so invigorating about the 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 way it's filmed the filmmaking itself 
um, you can really see at that point like Altman was just doing what Altman does mm-hmm. and it's not just again it's not just the ad-libbing it's just there, there's no one that there's no one that shoots like he does there's no one that kind of captures sound in that way where you're not entirely sure what's going on at one point and you're trying to capture something and then something yep. else gets said and he, he captures this kind of really naturalistic way of of having dialogue and whatnot and he was just this kind of just maverick director who was really interested in stuff and i there's just that really like heartfelt moment in it where george uh, siegel's character kind of he looks like he's just about to um have sex with this um yeah she i think she was a go-go dancer but she may have been a sex worker um yeah yeah and he's just about to and then her roommate comes in kind of breaks it up and he realizes it and you can see the the kind of fear in his eyes of what he's doing and why he's doing it yeah and and he kind of goes right i'm gone and he leaves and you and and she's so heartbroken yeah. Like literally just heartbroken by by this, and so and and he does it in this really simple way, and I think it's it's never it never seems to be complex. It's just her, um, in the in being cradled by a roommate saying, "Oh, he didn't really like me," mm. and they they have this really soft moment of, and it's like, to me, it's just like, yeah, you destroy lives by living like this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think. <laughs> And I think that's what I, I think that's what I find really interesting. It's just like you're seeing, like the cause and effect are all the time mm-hmm. in this in this movie from Elliot Gould um, hustling that poor woman <laughs> on the dog on, 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 on the, the coach and on the bus, yeah, and yeah. um, to, um, to 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 moments like that, and you just see like. Even even the bit with the basketball and the and the hustling there where he, yes. he hustles them, it's it's just everything's a way of like making a little bit of scratch and yeah. But there's consequences to it, and after a while, you you realise that the highs just don't hit yes. as much anymore, and or or they do for one person but not for the other. And I find that absolutely fascinating. I endlessly. Fascinating. I do too. Yeah, what's interesting to me also is it's kind of it goes against what you were saying about plot for plot sake just to drive a movie forward. This you find out more about a person through behavior and dialogue. And that yeah. is what the movie's about. It's not they need to hit A, B, and C for them to get to the third act or something. It's just we're with these people. And this is what they're like. And I also think that part of the reason the dynamic is so interesting between Gould Gould and Siegel is they are two very different performers. And I know I read about how Siegel was taken aback by Gould when they first started. He actually complained to Robert Altman, like, this guy is an octopus. He's all over me. Like, I can't, you know, I don't know what to do. And he said, don't try to keep up with him just do, you know, just do you and do your own thing. And so you see that and you see what they're probably attracted to the fact that these other um, personality traits that they don't have, they can see Mm. in the other man. And so I do find it interesting. And probably that's part of the reason these two guys 
couldn't be long-term pals. Well, also the addiction that's driving everything, but yeah, they are just extraordinarily different and there's something magical about that, but it can't last. So yeah. I find it. I mean, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really interesting that Se- Siegel had that issue. Um, there is a book. Um, it was uh, called, uh, I think it's called a glimpse of tiger that I read um, okay. a couple of years back. And in, I think it was 70s, 80s, and Gould was supposed to be the main character. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, or or one, of the, one of the main characters in it. And um, it, never, it, never, it, never, it never came out because um, they got into, it got into production and um, the lead was really, really put off by his behavior sure um and some people say it was drugs some uh, uh, that's I, yeah. who knows and and yeah. gold says it wasn't but it never it never got the film never got made i don't know okay i'm trying to think if it was a chance of tiger or a glimpse of tiger okay um is is the book and and i love i love the book and, and it's got one of these really interesting plot twists it's it's the book is set up like one chapter it's um it's it's the the female character called tiger okay and then the next one is the next the next chapter will be the male character and there's a reason why and it gets to the end and then it kind of ah interesting happens and interestingly enough it's one of those films where you could imagine someone like robert altman doing because it's that kind of you know like random thing and it's, it's set in new york but Gould, you can imagine why Gould would have been so good for that role because the yeah. male character is just so, he's off the cuff and he does everything just on a whim and you never know what's going on and it's intoxicating. And that's the thing that I really like about it. It's like he doesn't necessarily, like it's one of those things where he doesn't necessarily need drugs because he's so attractive and alluring and charming yeah. and intoxicating and yeah he is like an, an octopus is a good word to say it because when you look at his personal space in the blocking he's he's really close yes. up to everyone <laughs> and he's just he's in their face and every time someone says something he has something to say back yeah and I, you, it's he's one of those guys. I think so many people know guys like this. Oh, absolutely. Who are, <laughs> yes. <laughs> who are just who are who are the, and when they say something back, they're either really infuriating, or they just break you down and you, they, yes. you go along with what they go along with. And it's it's the way he kind of bowels through the movie, and nothing seems to matter and bother him. It's it, it's this really like potent kind of character um no i love the amount of times because usually in films they're kind of careful about how many times you say the other character's name and i love in this one gould says william like all the time (laughs) and by keeping it on like there's that old line about to endear yourself to somebody say their name a lot and gould just has like when he returns from uh mexico and he's wearing the sombrero like william william and he keeps saying it almost like he's singing a song and you're just like he would be infuriating but just extremely magnetic like you want to be around that energy and yeah it's it's so much fun it's also just very heartbreaking but yeah a beautiful movie it's, it's a great movie i mean and it's also one of those things on where as, as i said uh, as i said earlier 
I think every sometimes a lot of people online think they're the first to say things, and yeah, no. you're, listen, <laughs> you're listening to you're listening to Elliot Gould and 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 Siegel um, debate about the black crows in Dumbo. It's just a, a really really yeah. <laughs> yeah, and <who> <laughs> like it's just a really really cool moment I, I sit there and I laugh looking back at what people are saying about like stuff like the Dumbo remake and everything else yeah. like that and, and it's like uh, these, these things have been going on and going on just because we've got the internet now yeah. um People talked about pop culture on film before Quentin Tarantino. Everyone, yes. <laughs> but but not only that, just but the the nature of that conversation was the one that was what what got me. It, I just oh, thought yeah. that was, I thought that was, I thought that was fantastic and and really honest. Um, but it is one of those things on where again, like so much of this movie, chance comes into into everything and. Yeah. It, you know, there's an inciting, inciting moment where um, um, these these two characters get well, well. One of these characters gets beaten up, mm-hmm. and then after they get beaten up, later on in the film, he has a chance to kind of <laughs> you know to, to to even the score, so to speak. And it doesn't. It it's one of those things where you don't see, you don't see it coming. You really think it's no. just that one off thing, and it's and and and, and, and other movies. I think in other movies you would you would always guess that that character would come back. Exactly. Um, and and he and he doesn't. Um, you can see the danger of the addiction when they 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 go to the boxing and yeah. um, they get they get stuck up um, by uh, by by a guy with a gun and you get half. They, yes. Yeah, <laughs> they make a wager on it basically. And I it's know. Just, it's it's yeah. so. It, it's so good and it's it's just like I th- that's one of the reasons why i think that and long goodbye are so good because i just think he was really in his element um yeah, yeah. i think i think a lot of like when you look at a lot of the films or hear about a lot of films after they they talk about how it wasn't they're all kind of half made or, or this mm-hmm. that and the other and i think i think with this i think he just found that he had the right script the right the right people around him to okay. kind of just create this universe and yeah. one of the things i find is even though they spend they spent more time outside than you think but it's such an all enveloping universe that you're with you're just with them all the time yeah and and i can imagine what it's like i mean it's what you know people talking about lockdown now it's like oh i want to get away from my spouse or yeah. stuff like that because sometimes they just they're just on each other all the time yeah. and it's I think again. I just find that aspect fascinating, but I do. But one of the that codependency, that kind of on each other all the time, that kind of conflict, and you can tell how sad everyone feels at the end Mm -hmm. because of it's so intense and it's so kind. It's just it's just on and on and on and on, Mm -hmm. and. I, I think I kind of I just I think that's why I love it and that's why I think yeah. it's a romance because it's just these two people go they just realize that it's, it is literally a brief encounter and they will destroy each other if they don't yes. continue. they absolutely will oh next we jump ahead to 1995 with the start of Richard Linklater's brilliant contemplative before trilogy with before sunrise written by the director and Kim Krizan. 
and starring Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy as two 20-somethings who meet on a train and disembark in Vienna, where they spend the night talking, taking in the sights, and falling in love despite knowing long-distance relationships only work in theory. It was followed by Before Sunset, which is my favorite. That was really in 2004 and before midnight from 2013. Linklater is terrific at these philosophical quirky experiments with time and point of view, whether it's the film that put him on the map, Slacker from 1990, which takes a walk and talk approach as we spend the day with over two dozen characters, or his American Graffiti-esque Dazed and Confused, which spans a night, or Boyhood, which chronicled a dozen years in a boy's life. So what did you think of Before Sunrise? What are your thoughts on Linklater? You already did talk about your thoughts on him, and it was great. And also the Before trilogy. Well, I think it's, again, it's one of those things where it's a trilogy where I think it's one for... Um, so-called cinephiles and, and movie buffs it's, it's a trilogy of, of romance films that I don't think I think I tried to get my wife to see it um, to watch the first one once uh-huh. um, many people that I I kind of speak to in in, in in other social circles will probably even never heard of these movies or may have heard of one um, and I I picked it because it's just one of those things where I really do like, I really do like um, elements of romance in movies, especially as I'm getting older, where you're seeing, um, Mm -hmm. seeing two people connect and there's something to be said about this when it it comes out in, I can't remember the year again. I think it was 95. Ninety-five. Sorry, I apologize. Oh, so fine. it's 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 right in the middle, and it's right in the middle, and around that t- at that time you get you've got singles and you've got um, uh, reality bites, and I know that was kind of ninety-four. Um, yeah. So it's around, around that time, and you've got all these these films where there's kind of these Gen Xers um, mm-hmm. being Gen Xy. Um, <laughs> And this just seems to just hit completely different notes. And and only it hits different notes, it was just I find it so I find it really easy to relate to um Jesse. And yes. these days he is um like Ethan Hawke's character Jesse is pretentious. Um <laughs> I mean I mean the, the the film to a point does have its pretensions um but again when you're younger and you're kind of growing up and you're watching these movies and you're listening to the guy these guys talk it's just like again is this is really natural dialogue there's this really kind of believability about these people and i think um ethan hawk sometimes gets a bad rap from one or two people yeah um and I think he he's never better than when he's with with Richard Linklater, and watching him there is 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 really good. He's just got this. He's slightly obnoxious, but you can realize why someone would be uh, attracted to him. Um, mm-hmm. He's way more 
I can't remember if it's singles or reality bites he's in. I think it's reality bites. Um, reality bites. Yep. He's yeah. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In in that he's an absolute prick, and yeah. <laughs> in in this you realize that there is a softer side of him mm-hmm. you know it's just these guys talking and you can really you can really believe that character and what he's saying um and you know just to you know to to have him in combination with someone like Julie Delpy and Julie Delpy's so she's 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 beautiful and mm-hmm. not only she's beautiful but she's one of these she's she again comes up with all these things that we've we've uh, a lot of us feel that we've we've only just started talking about yes. um like like her her, 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 her yeah every, yeah, re- yeah reincarnation um her approach to feminism yeah um and I, I I love it. I love the fact that she she has the, she's kind of kind of head first with this and and head strong with this with her elements of, of feminism and whatnot. But she's really interested in astrology and yeah and 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 reincarnation and these random stuff. And they pick a really interesting city to to walk around in. And it's not it's not New York. It's not Paris. It's not London. No. Um, so you don't have these easy cultural things to kind of hang yourself on um you they just and they seem to gel really well in this city and you it almost feels as if it's one of those films and where it's almost as if they kind of didn't have a script and we know they did but um but they just left the camera to have these guys talk about whatever they wanted yeah um and you can see the connection grow and grow and grow and it grows in this really organic way. Mm-hmm. And the pacing of this movie is spot on. It's, yep. I can't imagine how hard it would be to have this thing where you're having people roam the city all, all the way around and just find the right points to stop, the right points to edit, the right points yep. to, to cut and, and to give them time to breathe like the, like them playing, um, uh, was it? pinball yeah oh pinball yeah pinball yeah um and and the the little moments like the first two people they meet when they get off the train oh the the, the little play and you and you go okay well you you always think that's like a kind of Chekhov's gun type thing where it's like okay we're we're waiting for that um and it's (laughs) like and then they move on and there's someone else and there's someone else and that the, the poet is beautiful oh, i love that guy just my favorite just... sequence yeah <laughs> i think when he reads the poem and i love the reaction because i mean ethan hawk is absolutely right you know of course he probably has an infinite or a handful of poems and just chooses the one for whoever stops by and knows a line and puts the word in the right spot but it's just beautifully done and yeah and I love their dueling reactions like he's a bit too cynical but more of a realist and she's more existential but also kind of new agey and yeah yeah really interesting mix uh, but that that moment is so it's just it's just a lovely bit because i think the poet is so i think the 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 actor who plays the poet is so good yes and and it's one of it's one of those small character moments where you need the right person at the right time just to to sell everything and just him and the way he scribbles and that he's just yes. there and the look <laughs> and they walk off and the look he gives them and you're never quite sure if 
it's true on what what Jesse says. He just made it up as he got along, or or, or not. <laughs> Is he um, smart? Yes. <laughs> um, and he doesn't, you know, he, he, he I, I love, I love his selling technique. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's just this really kind of cool moment. But I, I also love the fact that nearly everything that they like from, from the uh, palm reader to the poet, it gets them talking about a situation and from their points of view. Yeah. And, you know, in '95, I'm guessing they didn't think it could anything else would come from it. But the fact that there was a trilogy afterwards, and you're seeing, there are certain things that they say in this film that it, by the time you get to the third film, you're like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> you become you become that person you really didn't want to be, yes, and it's exactly <laughs> it's it's become it's it's that brilliant, brilliant, brilliant thing about about life where it's just like uh, like none of us want to be our parents none of us want to grow no. up to be our parents <laughs> might yet, be inevitable yeah <laughs> but but it is you know, we're, we're pushing it away especially when yeah. we're young we're pushing away all that those things and then you realize uh, 10 15 years down the line oh i actually have become that person yeah uh, mostly because they brought you up <laughs> but um it's it's just joyous to watch and to watch and to watch these, a film like this in the '90s with all this kind of classical music, and it just play again, it just plays on a completely different note, and it plays on its own its own note. Because um, I think a lot of the '90s was very cynical and self-referential, self-refer- um, yeah. and <clears throat> excuse me, and um, you know, this is '95, so we've just started to have Tarantino. Yeah, know, this strips back the artifice, I think. Yeah. yeah. And and you've you've got like you know, when it comes to a lot of independent movies, like I said, they'd be a lot like singles, they'd be a lot like reality bites, they'd be yes. a, lot, a little bit they'd be <laughs> grungy. And it, it kinda I think a part of me feels this would be a good, interesting double bill with something like like Metropolitan as opposed to Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> like all these all these other ones. But yeah. I, I, Link later just reminds me of Stillman, where he loves to see people act. He loves to see people talk. Yep. Um, and he allows the camera just to have these guys have like these flat flights of fancies, and it's um, it's just joyous to watch in this sense of. I just remember finishing the movie and feeling really just warm by it. <laughs> like really, like there's just a warmth that comes from it, and again if we just take the film as a singular, you wonder if they, they, they did meet up again, six months down the line. Yeah. But you spent so much time with them that you hope that they do. Um, and it's a film almost without conflict. Um, yeah, there's just little debates and that's, but it's just like talking with your friends and having a differing point of view. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wrote down, I wrote down in some notes. So they go, um, I wrote down poetry of everyday life. Like he says he wants that's his TV yes. idea, and I go uh, that TV show. And I go well, that's before social media. But, but then I also reality but, television, <laughs> except yeah. the real world. Yeah, yeah. And but I also just put amusingly, the film is a podcast, and that's ultimately it what it is. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't you don't necessarily need to see them. Yeah, you could you know you can you can have readings of it. You could have that 
it's a film that you could have as a play and it doesn't surprise me that Linklater went on to do tape afterwards which yes. is you know based on a play um he's just got that way of making that stuff kind of come alive on screen and it's got that wonderful thing where you've just you've just spent 80 minutes with these guys and then when they leave you just see all the little bit all the yes. little spaces Beautiful. that they just um interacted with and there's that, that brilliant moment where you're seeing this is going on this is going on and every so often a person will walk through and then it's that, that bit where they, uh, they were lying on the gla- grass and they've just left yep. a, um, a glass of wine and and it, it's that thing on where when you're walking down the street and you see something which just seems out of place you're like i wonder what happened there and yeah you've you've got that story behind it and it's just it I love that. How, how, how could anyone not like that? I know. <laughs> but, it's yeah, perfect. But. Yes. And what's interesting is I think in the 90s, especially, had this been like more of a studio venture, it might have looked more like Dazed and Confused, which was his earlier mm. movie. Like it would have wall to wall, like pop music soundtrack and you'd want to go and get the soundtrack immediately there's some beautiful music that plays in the movie but it's so not what you would expect in the 90s and it's interesting you brought up with Stillman because one of my favorite movies in the 90s is Barcelona which is that's such a good movie I know one of my favorites ever of with Stillman and I thought boy those two would be interesting because they're you know, an American in a city that isn't theirs and how they interact with it. But yeah, I think it's a great movie. And also the thing about Before Sunrise is it's just two people talking. And so it feels timeless and Mm. it feels like it could appeal to people of all ages. I remember when I saw it with my mom, actually, and she started telling me about a man that she met when she was like on vacation, when she was like 18 or something and they just stayed up all night and talked and like mm-hmm. looked at the sea and she still remembers this guy because he gave her like a piece of jewelry and she's like so that movie is personal to me and she still talks about it and a friend of mine had gone abroad on study and so she had a different reaction so it's really interesting how I don't think I think this is one that's going to age very well it's not going to feel too 90s like reality bites is very much (laughs) a product of 1994 and it's it even still feels a little bit like 94 but also 1974 kind of at the same time yeah yeah but this movie still feels fresh because it's just two people talking and having conversations that we've all had with our friends or lovers or whoever is in our life And yeah, yeah, I think it's beautiful. It's interesting you brought up podcasts because it very much is. It's kind of like a radio play or a play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing I I love about it is obviously – you you've got your, your your david lean brief encounter and 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 stuff like yes. that so it's, it's 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 not a unique movie in that sense mm-hmm. but it's really interesting to see some like i think when i watch um how i met your mother yeah and the the first series where ted meets victoria and they try and have that one night 
and, and oh yeah and, and, and not not sw- swap names or anything and i don't think of brief encounter or, or anything else like that. i think of something like before sunrise mm-hmm. because that's how, how it feels like and you can kind of you get that feeling because of the nature of that tv show um and that would be heavily invested in what was going on in the 90s um but i just sit i sit and i just really enjoy i think i was a little bit nervous about one coming on the, this podcast because this is a new podcast to me um but i was a little bit nervous of trying to going back and watching this again because sometimes you you go back and go knowing what you know and i haven't seen this since watching the last before yeah um, it's been it had been years for me too <laughs> yeah and i i wonder if i was going to still like these characters um and then what and what you realize is like Linklater is just trying to kind of encapsulate this element of life. And I think that's what he's been doing with like all his movies. I think there's something to be said with like looking at how he's doing the sequels of the before trilogy and then how he did like boyhood. And he's trying to play with time, which is less pretentious than Christopher Nolan. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, 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 Chris, I do love your movies, but um <laughs> But there is something to be said about how how he's stretching and using time and utilizing time in this fantastic way to show how people change and evolve or digress. Um, And it's not and it's it's not just Boyhood. It's not just the before trilogy. It's um, everybody wants some. Where you see that uh, one of the one of the um, students that have signed up for, for baseball is too mm-hmm. old to be there and uh, he can't he can't let go it's Days and Confused which is a 70s film but it's set in yeah. the 90s and he, he he really he's really interested in 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 time in this really fascinating way but he's also interested in all these kind of kind of quasi philosophical conversations as well and he kind of, he he knows how to blend and meld them together in these in this in this really beautiful way and even the the films that you can consider lesser of him like like bernie he seems to knock it out of the park and get these really i think i don't i can't think of another film where someone like jack black is as parred down and 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 styled and yeah made in so and, and put into such a really interesting way and and no one no one talks about bernie anymore like i remember when it came out people were like this is a good movie and now now no nope. one talks about it. it's like no go back it's actually really really good yeah it's actually really good but and i think that's why i find him an institution i just every time i watch something of his he he makes me just love movie he makes it look so easy yeah there's this one i i think there's this one moment in um in boyhood and with boyhood it's you've got that cut where he's where 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 the main character's a a kid and he's still a kid and you you he's been spending time with this with his with his neighborhood kid and the last, like they they start moving, and the last time you see him is there. the The family's in a car, and they watch this kid, and he doesn't know that um, that that the lead character is is gone or leaving. Mm-hmm. You just see him on a bike, kind of just 
um, going away and it, it's just this really hard cut to him growing up and it's like this is what happens you people disappear from your life and people yeah. kind of um or if you see them again they grow from your life and and, and whatnot and and same with um that kind of mexican character that um uh, patricia arquette's um mother character yeah. has a word with and 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 they grow and and this happened and then he comes back and goes oh, i remember you this happened to me yeah. and that's one of, and i think the before trilogy is kind of quintessential to to so much of what he's doing in other movies um because he you know you're seeing these characters at one point you're seeing these characters at another point you're seeing these characters at another point and you're seeing them really fall in love with each other you see how the intensity grows back or how it's met or certain things that have mellowed but watching that last one where they decided to make a go of it and become this family and and you're seeing how they feel about each other how difficult these things can be Mm -hmm. i and and he's so i think he's so honest with it it would be so easy to make a just a simple movie where it's all the same and it's like it's not the same time changes all of us and it 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 makes us so it can make us embittered and impassioned and Mm -hmm. or it can make us you know or, or incredibly lonely or regretful yeah um and i i just love i I love the fact he can he can, he's done this over the course of three movies to make a, this amalgamation of of a a life of a relationship it's it's fascinating to me yeah it's lovely well this brings us to what is arguably hong kong director wong kar wai's most famous film in the mood for love from 2000 The movie's original Chinese title translates to Flowery Years. Set in the 1960s, it stars frequently paired actors and longtime Wong collaborators Tony Lung and Maggie Chung as two neighbors who fall in love with one another after they discover that their spouses are involved in a pretty serious affair. Following Days of Being Wild, The film is the second in a loosely conceived series of movies, followed by 2046 and the upcoming Blossoms. One of Wong's most gorgeous and highly stylized works, from the endless, flattering, yet formal print dresses that Chung wears, seemingly to have some semblance of control over at least the way she looks and is perceived by others, if not her daily life, to the film's use of an ethereal musical motif, which is played throughout, it is a hypnotic movie. So what are your thoughts on In the Mood for Love and its story of a very unique human connection? I don't know why I picked this. I don't know why I picked this because it's it's not even my favorite. Wong Kai Wai. Um, okay what is and um for me uh sometimes it's days of being wild other times it's as tears go by gotcha um and then sometimes it's um chunking express uh yes um i don't i I, i'm really bad with favorites because i every time i watch them my feelings about fluctuate yeah (laughs) fluctuate all the time um but this was this is the third time I've watched this movie, and 
it's just an astonishing feat of work. It really is. Um, there's nothing. There's no, there's nothing quite like it. Um, and if it is, it's done by Wong Kar Wai. <laughs> yes, again, I picked this. I, I picked this because I kind of wanted to do. Uh, he's really, really good with this kind of these fleeting moments of chance and these kind of fleeting moments of love and unrequited love mm-hmm. and and like at the end of every of his mo- every one of his movies you just want to put on like Frank Ocean and just you know sit in a, sit in a quiet room for a little while <laughs> <laughs> um, because he seems to just make these really He's just someone who I think when you look at filmmakers and directors, he knows how to make really informed decisions Yeah. in order to make films which kind of, when like no one seems to, no one in, no one in his films get together. No one in his films get together. Like the, those romances are always short lived, no matter what. Yeah. Um, they never last. Um, so this isn't a, you know, it's not really a spoiler. If you know Wong Kar Wai, you'll know that all in all his movies, his films are kind of, kind of quasi tragic and yeah. tragic and tragic, not by death, but just by the fact that, that life gets in the way and time gets in the way. Mm-hmm. And he seems to know how to make these informed decisions in terms of him and his editors in order to make these films feel so complete about something that's so incomplete. Um, and it's another one of these films on where you don't like, you don't have to like the characters don't have to say anything to know for us to know how they feel. Exactly. It's um, mood. Like I know yeah. that the new thing that everybody use hashtag mood or whatever, but his movies really do weave a spell or you can feel the mood of the thing. I think maybe part of that is because I read, you know, he starts filming these without a script a lot or just like a kernel of an idea of what he wants. And he just might know what he feels like or what the film should feel like. And I think that's part of the reason it's so magical because it's all serving that one idea or that one spark. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, I mean, I was just writing. I, I, I wrote some notes down, and uh, one of the and I was looking at some some readings, and one of the thing, one of the interviews I saw, um, he he states that Vertigo was a massive, massive influence on the movie. Ah, I can Hitch- see that. Yeah, Hitchcock's Vertigo, and it, and you realise that it's not even not only just by the styling of 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 um, Maggie Chung's dresses mm-hmm. these beautiful stylized dresses yes um it's in the character of tony uh tony um, lung plays and one of the things that he, he uh, uh Wong Kai Wai says is um everyone thinks he's such a sweet character and i think the problem is it's because he um tony young tony plays it so innocent he's got an sort of innocent yes. look in his eyes when you actually look at the situation um he's actually quite sick and I sat there and I 
I just just you I replay everything in the back of my head and I go, no, he's right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's he's absolutely very, yeah he, yeah he, he's he's obsessive but also knowing for well like it's it's a considering the con- conventions of 60 you know 60s hong kong at the time knowing for well that if they do anything and, yes. and anyone sees you know, conversations will be about them and whatnot mm-hmm. whatever as bad as the affair is they're they're doing something which at times feels worse um, and and one of the reasons why it feels worse is because there's an emotional response there that that may or may not be with the with the affair. We don't know about the affair as such. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we don't know if it, you know. We don't know if the affair was just this kind of weird, intense thing. I mean, at one point you see you you see a voice say we should stop doing this. Yeah. Or yeah. And and that and that's kind of it. And they kind of stop. But whereas with these characters, they kind of play along with this for yeah. a long period of time. And those feelings continue for a long period of time. And it also, you know, it's, I think it's what, what, what Wong Kai Wai says about the idea that Tony is very sick kind of plays into the, the ending, which is one of the most, I, I find it really hard to watch without kind of welling up. Yeah, and one of the reasons why there's the music so beautiful is it's just an amazing piece of music that they play over the these kind of um, ruins, and and that's the, that story he tells his mate about. Um, if you have a secret, yeah, yeah. If you have a secret, you you whisper in it into a tree and you pack it full of mud and you keep the keep the the, the secret there, and. And the idea that he does that kind of says to me, it's like, it's not like, it's not like um, before sunrise where it's, just, where we were, t- we're talking about how everyone has this kind of that one person, they went away on holiday or anything else. Yeah. Like and, and, and anything. And you know, you, your, your mum can turn around and say, I met this man and did this or, yeah. or like this person. <laughs> um, and therefore they're, they're quite happy and free to tell you that because oh, yeah. nothing's come from it and you, no. there, there's nothing there's nothing seedy or, or 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 anything from there whereas this there is a darkness there he knows that the, the, there's something not quite correct about what he's doing yeah because because the, emo- the the emotions that are at play and it's just like i mean i did i, I forgot there was two cinematographers and that never bothers you. It, they 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 no. mold together really well, and they they work really well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Christopher Doyle and I, I. I'm sorry, I don't know the the other the other gentleman's name. Um, but it's one of these films, and where you watch it, and then you watch Ma- Maggie Chung's character just constantly restricted by frames, as yes. well as her dress. So you'll see at one point that she's she's there's a frame of a doorway and then there's another frame kind of doing that and it's just hemming people in and you've got that you know that that little alleyway where they sit and they talk yeah they stand they stand and they talk and what he what what they decide to do is just place a camera behind bars so it looks like they're imprisoned i know it reminds (laughs) me of antonioni's movies very oh yeah, yeah 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 like laclise 
when yeah. I watched it this time, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I bet that was a big <laughs> influence because there are shots like that where they're between two bars or a fence and we see the print um of the fence or the shadow on somebody's clothing and yeah yeah i mean it's classical stylized framing so it's frames within frames but it really works to help convey this mood and cast the spell that only he can (laughs) i love his work with uh tony lung i actually wrote about tony last summer for a piece for the phoenix film fest and i went and i re-watched like a bunch of these and uh like happy together is i think that's a good movie best work as an actor in wong kar wai i mean he's he's great but i just really like what he brought to that and yeah, I think he works so well. So does Maggie Chung, of course, with uh, yeah. Wong Kar Wai. And they're great. I didn't realize that they had been in stuff together, like as far back as 80s TV. They were on some like <laughs> cop show together. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. And I love that, you know, even um, Zhang Mu or Zhang Mao, if I'm saying that wrong um saw this movie and was like okay for hero it has to be these two because of in the mood for love so i love that they're now like (laughs) sort of this hepburn and uh tracy (laughs) thing going on yes (laughs) but i i i i i really generally just love her character in general i mean again there's one thing it's, it's 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 She's just beautiful yeah. in these dresses, but it's such a restrained yes. response that she has to to everything. Uh, it's so nerve nerve wracking, and and you just it's one of these films where you have to sit and just read faces, and at times you're just looking. At it, you know when they they reenacting this supposed affair, and she is just falling apart at the seams at times, and it's it's difficult to watch it's difficult yes. to watch and it's and it's and again like uh, i i wanted to bring up i wanted to choose movies like this because of the the, the female uh, female roles in there and you look at Ju- julie delphi's kind of free-spirited french yeah. and uh, all this and everything and then you, you cut, to, <laughs> cut yeah. to 62 um uh, 1962 Hong Kong, where you can't yeah. be seen with another <laughs> with no. another another person's <laughs> husband, otherwise this happens, or or anything else like that, and just that 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 horrible those horrible scenes where she speaks to the wife, all of her boss, yeah, <laughs> and the wife oh is just yeah. just so just yeah. Uh, just so kind of like yeah whatever i don't i don't care about this and it's just like oh god like yeah you're compartmentalizing it but (laughs) then you're living it too yeah Yeah, it's it's unbelievable it's unbelievable um but it's it's just this movie in which whereas you had before sunrise was quite talkative and then you had you have a kind of split which is which has its own, it has its own kind of style and mood, but this is just so just in, in enveloping. Yeah. It just kind of just, it's like, it's, it feels like smoke. It just surrounds you. Yes. Um, 
Oh, that's and a it's, great observation. Yeah. yeah every, just every, like every moment is just really, I wouldn't say tense, but the, there's this, there's that beautiful moment they're going to pick up the noodles. And at one time, because of the way that time's played with, you get the feeling that they may have just seen each other for one moment. Yep. And they, well, as they cross, as, as they cross paths, but because it's off screen, you don't know what happened. You don't know what time that is. Nope. Um, and he plays with time in this fantastic way. You forget that it's not just that moment in time. It's like, it then goes year upon year upon year. And then he does, he does what one Kai Wai loves to do where it's like, you've just missed him. Like these people have just missed each other because that's what happens in life. And it's just yeah. unbelievably heartbreaking. Like it's unbelievably heartbreaking. And yet there is still a, this kind of darkness about that relationship in general um mm -hmm. and it just makes this it's so complicated and so there's something very sincere about it i think yes one thing i love about movies like this where they kind of toy with they toy toy with uh, the two people's emotions in the way that they do is just there's sincerity about it there's there's yeah. something i think we live in a world far too often where we're like, Oh, there, there's a, there's a one for me everywhere. Um, and it's like, no, what, what sometimes happens is you will meet people where your connection will be, will be hella strong and, and really, and really there. And it just wasn't the right time. Yep, and wrong time, wrong place. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's a really affecting moment just to know, that the only thing that someone can do do with this moment is whisper it secretly into a tree. It's just so, I don't know. It, 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 it hits me in a, in a, in a certain spot. Um, yeah, very much. When I was in film school, um, I was assigned to, for a foreign film class, basically address a movie that felt like a remake, even if it isn't a remake or mm. something that was kind of in response to another film. It could be an American one from a foreign or two foreign films. And yeah. it was around the time that Lost in Translation came out. And when she won okay. the Academy Award, Sofia Coppola, you know, thanked all the people that inspired her, like Juan Carwai and Antonioni and all these different filmmakers, Fellini. Yeah. And I started to take a closer look at Lost in Translation. And then I watched In the Mood for Love, or I did it vice versa. I, I watched it several times back to back and realized that exactly what you were saying. Sometimes you cross paths with somebody and you have this great connection, but you know, you're married or you meet somebody too late or they live on the other side of the world or they're too old for you or you just it it's not going to work and I feel like this film inspired so many filmmakers to maybe address that kind of in the way that Antonioni and other filmmakers way back when yeah. or Brief Encounter Barry Jenkins yes yeah. yeah Barry Jenkins all these different filmmakers are inspired by this conversation and what it means to connect with somebody else and put it across on film. And it's one of my favorite things to see on screen because it's part of being human and kind of the most important thing is our connection with others, I think. But it's, it's really, it's yeah. really universal. Yes. Um, 
um, to, to, to make it slightly personal, so there was someone I used to work with um, many years ago, and uh, she was lovely, and she was just uh, she. We worked together, and, and she was in love with this with this guy. And I'm going to try and be as broad as possible, okay. so make sure. sure not to name names. And and um, and she was in love. I love this guy, and I think something may have happened and it never really it never really got together in the way that I think uh, she wanted and yeah. and the thing is in this nature where we're in this world we're all still kind of connected and we still see people yes um you I've seen where one person from that from that relationship has gone off and they found another relationship and they're happy and they're doing whatever whatever and the other person is no longer with us mm. and it's just this thing and where you're looking from it from the outside from almost from the outside in and just going and it's yeah. really it, it it just does something to you um Absolutely. and it is those things because it is those moments that even though you may lose someone be it be it by something by 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 death or even if it's just like you no longer speak or anything else, what you found is that is that spark. That yep. spark was that 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 was that was there. It was always moments. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we like why we why we like photos. Um, you know, yep. you will never reenact that moment again. Um, and I absolutely and I I absolutely love it. it. It is a feeling of a photograph all the time in this movie. That the, these moments will never be reenacted because they can't and mm-hmm. it's just and there's something about the fact that she, like he in, he he kind of brings her into in her into this world where they he's sort of talking about his hobbies yes and it's more intimate than if they had sex it really like, is. way more intimate and it's just you're 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 being let in on something here and and it's one of those things on where you know whatever happens to that character, I don't necessarily think that he would, uh, if he stayed with his wife or if he found someone else or anything. I don't think he'd be able to share that in the same way because yeah. it's, it's it's such a such a personal thing, even though it's just uh, martial arts stories. But that's not yeah. that's not that's not it. It's, he's letting someone in. He's he's showing a sense of vulnerability, and that's something that Tony Tony Lung does in this film so well. There's yep. this beautiful moment where. Um, where Maggie Chang's character just asks him about where his wife is, and you can just see in a couple of blinks of his eye that he doesn't want to be asking that question, mm-hmm. and it, it, it gives him a certain kind of pain. And it's one of those things that if you're not looking at the screen and looking at his face, you would not know because yep. what comes out of his mouth in the dialogue is something completely different. Absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. complete. It's like, oh yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's, and it's just like. No, he he's not fine, and it's just yeah, it's it's an unbelievable movie to watch. It is, and like what you see in his face being contradicted by the words, it's kind of like with her and her dresses and her outward perfectionism, and mm. unable to control her her own life and what's going on because it's out of her hands. I think there's a lot to this movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so much so. 
Oh, well, I want to thank you so much for choosing these great films. They were so much fun to talk about. And I love talking to you and getting to know you off Twitter as well. <laughs> this was a yeah, it's good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It's good fun. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't do this enough. Well, <laughs> Even I know. As a podcaster. Right now, it's like what we need to or it's helpful during the pandemic. Yeah, like talking yeah. to people again. Yes. Yeah, very much so. This is Jen Johans at filmintuition.com and filmintuition on social media and letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.